0: Yeah, so welcome to Radiant 17. Like I said, we're going to be talking about Passover tonight. We're just going to be um, digging into what else God is doing, what's on the heart of God, what God has in store for us, what he's got planned for us, and um, what we need to do to partner. Because it isn't always what the Lord is doing, but it's also what God has in store for us. You know, what he wants us to partner with, what he wants us to step into. And so we have this opportunity as sons and daughters to step into the will of the Lord and step into what God is doing. And so it's that's why it's such a special time to seek him, to stay in step with him, to be in the know about what God's doing, because uh, God is really, really specifically speaking, not just to the body of Christ, but to us individually, because there are individual things that he is calling you and I into and when we put it together, it's still him. It's still, it's still all him, but it all is fits together. It fits together, joins together like a big giant house for the Holy spirit to rest in as Ephesians says. And so as you and I are stepping into, And embracing what he is doing we are like the sons of Issachar we are mindful of the seasons changing but we're mindful not just the seasons changing it's not enough to know an angel showed up and presented himself or you find a feather but it's to find out why that angel was here why was he sent here what's his duty what's his name what is he releasing how can I partner with him so when you like the sons of Issachar they didn't just know the seasons were changing but they understood what was going on They understood what was coming in, what was leaving, what God was doing afresh. They were mindful of the signs and time because they stayed in a space with the Lord that was consecrated because the Bible says he tells his secrets unto his friends, he reveals those new things. And when he says friends, it's people that are in relationship with him because you do not tell your secrets to a stranger. You do not tell your uh, secrets to somebody who has not earned that space, who has not been elevated to that space where you feel you can trust him. That's why he says in in in, uh, in the gospels, Jesus says, you're no longer servants, but you've been elevated to the place of friends because even a servant has a work relationship with his master, but it does not allow him or give him privy or give him access to know the things or the hearts of the master. He just knows the things of what he's supposed to do. He just knows the things that he's supposed to do and carry out to please his master. But Jesus said, "I, you've been elevated from that place of servanthood and you've been placed into a place of friends. He said, for a friend knows what a friend is doing. Friend knows what the master's doing because why the master, the friend of a master, the master is going to tell him, he's going to reveal to him, he's going to make known to him. And so there's that, there's a deeper dimension of relationship. So we have this servant and friend, but then we have the son or a daughter aspect of this relationship. But the ultimate aspect of the relationship is the bride for we are the bride. We are the bride and the bride is the, is the ultimate union of what uh, the Christ in the church is, the oneness. is being restored back to what was in the beginning because man was created in oneness. He was one within himself and he was one with God, Father, Son, and Spirit. He was one with all those. There was no fragmentation anywhere that did not come until what? The fall came when they gave away what God had given them, and that's when man became fragmented. Now, when Jesus comes on the scene, the spirit of the Lord, that anointing of the anointed one that rests upon us has come to heal and to bring us back into oneness within ourselves, but oneness ultimately with Christ Jesus, because that's what he prayed for. And so that's those are, those are the things that we're constantly stepping into, moving from grace to grace, glory to glory, as the Lord takes us into into. His plan, His heart, His will, and His way. Because it isn't just being one with Jesus, but that Jesus said that we are going to do what He did and even greater. And so we need to be, and Jesus was always in step. Jesus was always in the know about what the Father was doing because He stayed in communication. He stayed in prayer. He stayed having that connection with Him. He never left that connection. He abided. In him fully and completely he was fully sold out and fully surrendered the Bible says he embraced the joy that is set before him knowing why he was sent here knowing what he was to do he embraced it fully knowing that he was going to die that you and I would have life in that more abundantly he embraced it fully even though in the garden of Gethsemane you find his his flesh fighting not wanting to and that's why he tells them pray he said because the flesh is weak but the Spirit is always willing to do the things of God the Spirit is always willing and so we we want to be in step with the Spirit we want to move in the Spirit we want to make no room for the flesh because when we make room for the flesh we make room for the enemy and if we make room for the enemy here comes confusion Here comes distraction. Here comes things that try to derail us so that we can't be in that engagement with the Lord. And the enemy does not want us to engage him because why? He understands we have this duplicity as believers. We are in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, seated in Him, but we're also here on the earth moving about. The physical body is a vehicle to do the will of the Father. And so as we get into prayer and we begin to engage the Holy One, as we begin to engage Him and talk to Him, we then hear, we then see, we then dream or have visions. Or Lord begins to show it to us and speak to us his will and way. And then what? With our physical bodies still being seated in heavenly places, we're able to carry out and do the will of the Father. And that's what the enemy does not want to do. He does not want you to be mindful of what's coming in or what's being birthed or what God is releasing. He wants you to be mindful of the things of the world, not the things of God. That's what Jesus told him. Jesus told, rebuked Peter and said, Peter, when, he, he, when Peter said, you won't die, you know, you're know, you not going to die, you're, you're going to be here, and, and he tells him, get thee behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but you're only mindful of the things of man. So he tells you in that illustration that the limitations that the enemy has, that the enemy can only find out what's going on unless it's being revealed through us unless we open our mouths and start speaking. That's why we need to be slow to speak and quick to hear. Some things you just need to cover in prayer. Keep in prayer, keep in prayer, covered in on the blood. Don't be quick to just loose things. Covered in prayer, covered in the blood first. And then when it's time, just like the Lord, the Lord didn't unfold the manifold wisdom of God. The Bible says in, in, in Corinthians, if the Lord had of opened and revealed fully, they would have never crucified Jesus they would have stopped it. The the Pharisees wouldn't have let it happen. The devils in hell wouldn't have let it happen because they would have known what was coming afterwards. So that shows you God don't always show all his hand. And that's why there's this aspect of walking with him where we we have to trust him. Where he'll say, just trust me, I got you. Because sometimes he can reveal certain things and we may we may we may we speak about it, we may talk about it, and the Lord's like, hmm. can I tell you and I'll give you an example real quick I, I know this is not where we are, but I feel like this is pertinent to where we're going and what's going on when John the Baptist was being born was being conceived in the spirit first he was conceived in the spirit first how because the angel of the Lord comes to visit his dad uh Zachariah and tells him, hey, Zachariah." You and your wife, Elizabeth, are going to have a son. And he didn't ask in like, oh, Lord, how can this be? He asked in in belief. He says, how can this be? We're old. We're too old for this. She's never been able to have kids. And the Lord, because he knows all things, understood if I don't silence him, his unbelief can stop this. Can abort the plan of the Lord. So what did the Lord say? Silenced him. You will not speak until the boy is uh, the boy is born. And when he is born, you will speak the name John, because that's what, that'll be his name. And the Lord silenced him. And when he comes out of the temple, he they can tell he had, he's been with the Lord. He's seen something because he was outside of himself. But they took note that he couldn't speak. But guess what? When the time, the fullness of time had come, and it was time for John to be born, and they were trying to figure out the name that they were going to name him, they were going to name him after his dad, or they were going to name him after one of their, and his dad in that moment spoke and said, his name shall be John, for that's what the Lord wants. And so God concealed to what? Bring it forth at the right time. Because sometimes we can get it and mess things up and get in the way of things. And so for the grace of God and mercy of God, the Lord just, "Um, I'm going to conceal that. And there are aspects that he will reveal as you go. And then all of a sudden you'll see it fully. But then when you see it fully, it's time for it to manifest. Because why? He wants you to step into what he has. He doesn't want you to miss it. Just like he didn't want Zachariah. And, and Elizabeth, to miss this opportunity. Her womb was shut for a designated time. She was barren with a purpose. And that's another message that'll preach by itself. She was barren with a purpose. Why? Because something great was coming, but it was coming at the right time. And God was making sure that it was going to get here. And I believe some of you are in spaces where you just need to just cover it in prayer. Keep it in prayer. Stop talking about it so much because talking about it and trying to process it won't help you. It ain't gonna help it come any faster. God is asking you just to believe Him and trust Him. It's His job to bring about what you are, what you, what you're going to step into, what you've heard from Him. He's all. All He's asking is you believe in Me. Have the faith of God. Believe in who I am. I will do the rest. I'll show you how you are the partner. But your first thing is to believe because you must believe first that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You must first believe that he is. And if you don't believe who he is, you cannot enter into the reward of the Lord because you've got to believe who he is. And if you don't believe who he is, you can't walk with him or or, or, or be with him because without faith, it's impossible to please him or walk with him. So the Bible says... And that's what he's requesting. That's what he's asking for us to do is that we would faith with him. We would stand with him. And even when he asked, just trust me, or I got you. That's got to be enough for the time. We got to know that in the heart of God, he's got our best interests at hand. And I just wanted to share that and just encourage you that you need to be in that place because God is moving. Whether you know it or not, things are moving. Things are shifting and moving in the spirit because he's working all things for your good. And because he's working it for your good you got to trust it when you need to know something god can speak to you he's going to speak to you you don't need to know anything he's not he doesn't have to speak you that's where the, that's where the area where you have to walk in a space that you have to know that he is with you you have to know that he's going before you and what he's already told you you need to just feed on that and hold on to that until he gives you something else we live in this this culture where we're constantly being fed words, 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 but we don't know how to faith in the words that we get. We just want to get, 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 and we like the feeling of getting words because it makes us feel special because we get picked out of a crowd and it makes us feel great and we love the presence that goes with it, but you're not doing anything with what you're getting. You're not accounting out to faith. You're not partnering with it. You're just taking it in and then, God, I want more. Give me another word. Give me another word. No, I've given you enough. Now it's time for you to know that what I've spoken is true. It's time for you to take that which is a seed that I've spoken into you because that's what the word is. A word is a seed that has been spoken and it's meant to take root so it can take life, take shape and form in your life in the three-dimensional. The reason why sometimes it is delayed is because we don't let it plant. We just... receive it get caught up into it and when it the faith that it requires for us to let it plant we don't do that we're too busy we're too overwhelmed and too oh well lord that's not enough i need you to move right now god's like i don't move when you want me to move i move when it's time and you gotta allow me to be god you gotta allow me to be shepherd because god knows what he's doing he knows where he's taking us he knows how to do what he's doing and he all he asks is that we trust him, and we have to trust him. It's, it's no gray it's no it's no gray area. It's either you trust him or you don't. It's no maybe. Well, I'm stuck in the maybe. God, I what? No, no, no. You gotta trust him. That's what it comes down to. When you the grassroots, it's that we gotta trust him. Even the man who was struggling with trusting him said, "Lord, I want to trust you, but I've had disappointment." And then Jesus took that and did something with his son. But we can't stay on that and be like, Lord, I'm struggling with this. because No, no, no. God has done enough for you to trust him. It's time for you to take what, what he's done and count it for faith. That's why the children of Israel missed the Lord, because everything that God had done, they never counted it for faith. They always was this kid that, God, you've never done anything. Do something now. Do something now. Do something now. We got to stop being that way. We can't be that way. We cannot be that way. We can't treat God like he's not done anything we got. We got to know and we got to take what he's done and faith on that and stand on it and say, God, you have done it. You've done it here. You've done it here and done it here. And You're going to do it here. I don't know how you're going to do it here, but you're going to do it here and we have to stand. That's what faith is. Faith is standing and believing in God. Even when I can't see it, I got to hold on to what He said already until He gave me something else. Because what He said already is enough to take you right into what He's going to do. And it's of His mercy that He might reveal another word, or He'll bring an, of you or know, He'll bring some encouragement along the way to help you keep you going. But the word He spoke already is enough to come about, to to come to life. And so I just want to share that with you i just feel like the holy spirit needed you to know that and i mean and i'm not speaking to just you because i've arrived and i got it all we none of us have arrived we all are running after jesus we all are supposed to be god chasers like paul said i have not apprehended the one that first touched me i'm running after him daily i say yes daily and that's what i do i say yes daily running after him running after the one that touched me first amen that's that's our walk so we want to get into this. We want to talk about uh, Passover right here in this point here. We want to dig into this aspect of the Passover. I believe that God is revealing, God wants to do before we actually really come into the season of Passover in preparation. And this is uh, this is taking place in Je- uh, Joshua chapter five. This is uh, the children of Israel. They have been in the wilderness for forty years. They have wandered, wandered. Everybody that was uh, 20 years I believe 20 years and older um, except Joshua and Caleb uh, died because of their unbelief because of the, the constant unbelief God would speak they they wouldn't believe but God would still do it if God would speak they wouldn't they'd still not believe God would do it and they would not and finally got to the place where the Lord tells them that, that you're going you got to go over he even sends 12 spies but the 12 spies 10 of them came back with a bad report And two had a good report, and the people partnered with the bad report. And so, you what you partner with will take you where uh, that report says. So I'm I'm here to tell you: be careful what you partner with. You partner with the wrong thing; it will take you the wrong way. And what happened? They partnered with the wrong thing, and it grieved the holy. It grieved God. It grieved God because why? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him it is impossible to walk with God and if you can't believe that you can take the land after what he had done for them how he had just obliterated the Egyptians how he had just moved every obstacle how he had taken the impossible and made it possible they did not believe and their unbelief kept them from entering in so they've been 40 years in the wilderness and here's the mercy in the grace of God that that's so beautiful even though he did not take them in because they Disobeyed. It was their disobedience that kept them from getting in. He still took care of them in the wilderness as they wandered around the mountain for 40 years. Their clothes never uh, uh, wore out. Matter of fact, their clothes, the Bible says, supernaturally grew with them. They, their clothes. He took care of them. He kept feeding them. He looked after them. But they died in the wilderness, never seeing the promise of God because of. Um, of their unbelief, because of their disobedience, because of their their not faith in in what God was saying. And the Lord is saying to us today, we can't be in that space. We cannot be in that space to disobey. We don't have time to be um, disobeying God's commands or going another way or doing things this week. We don't. The very thing that you do could cause, could set you back and have you wandering for a long time because you decide you want to do your own thing. You don't want to count, and unbelief is the thing that will keep you, will keep you out. You can't walk with God without it. And so here, here is Israel, with Joshua at the helm. Joshua's taking over. Joshua's taking everybody who was twenty, who was below twenty years, that are now grown people, and now Joshua and uh, Caleb, who were forty, are now eighty. And they're leading the people of God in. They have gone in. They cross over to the Jordan. But God takes them to this place to get them prepared because they're getting ready to have Passover. They're getting ready to take Passover. But God wants to establish something. He wants to do something afresh. And it's interesting when you see Passover come to about the first time around in the Exodus 12. You see that it's different when uh, it's being instituted. It's it's the blood on the doorpost in the lintel. It's them eating the lamb and, and and eating it in a hurry. They had their clothes. But all those things were depiction of Jesus. The 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 blood on the doorpost was a perpetu- was, was a picture of the, the blood, the eternal blood that would perpetually be on the blood of, on our hearts, on our hearts. That would rest on our hearts. And so when you look at that. It was that what which, which happened then was no different than what happened on the day Jesus fulfilled Passover, and so many Passovers after afterwards didn't have to do the doorposts on the on the um, anymore, but they did do sacrifice. They did do offerings, and offerings did require blood, and that blood always pointed to the day Jesus was coming, because the Father had instituted the blood of uh, goats and lambs and stuff to be offered up. And as they offered those up, they were offered those up the way God designed for the purpose to always point to Jesus. And when when they offered up the blood, there was never the blood of the animals he saw, but it was the blood of his son because the Bible says he shed, he died. He shed his blood before the foundations of the earth. So the father, every time he looked down and saw the blood being offered, it was his son's blood he saw because he knew one day When it was time, at the appointed time, that Jesus would come here in the flesh and give his life for us and shed his blood once and for all, and we would have this perpetual blood upon our hearts, resting on our lives, the blood of the lamb cleansing us from what was, what is, and what it is to come, and he would never have to offer it again. And so now we are at this space. The children of Israel are at this space, and I believe that the, what the Lord is saying in this in, in this space right here is that God wants to take you to this place, and I believe there that in, in, in the feast times there are things that um, that come forth. There are things that God is initially and intentionally doing. To prepare his people. And so when you look at when the um, Passover was initially done, it was a historical moment because they were truly coming out of bondage, stepping in freedom. Here comes a historical moment with Passover again, where now they're coming, they're coming out of <laughs> um, 40 years of wandering, nomads, not, not knowing where, what, how, to coming in to finally the word of the Lord being fulfilled. The word of the Lord that God spoke to Abraham, their their forefather spoke to him how they would be in bondage for 400 years and then come out and be brought back into the land. And so now that word is being fulfilled and so as they're coming into this land, and I believe as we come into spaces, as we come into new seasons and new things and new jobs and new territories or new things that God is doing, there are some things that God wants to do and significantly, God will highlight a feast time when he's getting ready to do something and he will prepare his people and really what it really is is a setup. To, to, for us to step into his goodness. so he sets us up to step into his goodness and he wants us to get rid of and to to give away and to and to, and to let go of so that what we step into nothing from what was is still hanging out and I and some of us on here and even others that are going to listen to this have walked with the past still being present, in your present. And God has allowed it to go for a time, but there'll come a time where the Lord will say, what you need to let die needs to die today. And you say, well, I've buried it. And the Lord's like, no, you didn't. Because if it was buried with Christ, it wouldn't, be still resur- it wouldn't be still alive and still having a hand in your today or still impeding on your ability to obey or your ability to do. It said, What it says is that you did not let it go. And sometimes we as believers don't let things go because it's too painful to let go. It's too painful to address it. It's too painful to, to go into it and I just hold on to it. But I'm still crucified with Christ. Yeah, you're crucified with Christ. What you have let go what you have buried, what you have crucified. If you still hold on to that, Jesus is not gonna take that from you. That still is alive in your life. And he wants to bring you through this process of sanctification to help you come free from that because we know in salvation, it's twofold. The first part is that you initially be introduced, you're you're saved and you see some fruits of being saved, some fruits of encountering the one who is salvation, but he doesn't take everything. He takes everything else in what? The process. In the process we call sanctification. And so in that space of sanctification, it is our job to really, it is our job to uh to embrace Christ Jesus. But how can I embrace him that I would receive sonship is that I would need to let go of what I used to hold on to and hold on to and think it was dear and just hold on to it because I didn't want nobody to touch it because if, if anybody touched it, it would hurt. You ever had a you ever had something, a scrape or something that really hurt really bad, and when somebody touched it, you just, ah, it hurt. It hurt for anybody to touch it or even get near it. You know, and so that's how we treat some of the things that are in our soul that, have, that, have, that we've gone through, that the Lord says, I want those things. And those things have gone far enough. Even some things that we have endured, some names that 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 uh, we still answer to, things that people used to call us way back when, and that and they're still present with us today because it's we haven't let it go. And and sometimes we answer to that name, and the Lord is saying, I want that to go as well because that is not who you are. Because you keep embracing this name, you can't embrace my name fully, and my name has the ability to transform and change you and bring you into who you truly are. Which is a son, which is a daughter, which is the bride, which is a friend, and God wants that. And so this is what He does. He's taking him here in uh, um, in, J- in John and John in Joshua chapter five. This is the part where He takes him to this place called Gilgal. And the Bible says this in John chapter five verse two. It says, "At that time, the Lord says unto Joshua, Make a sharp knife, and circumcise again the children of Israel a second time." Now. You know, circumcised him. And he's not talking about the women, he's talking about the men. now if the man, if the woman was married to the husband and he got circumcised, that circumcision of him would cover everything. Circumcision had everything to do with covenant. We're going to skip down to verse six and it says for the children of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness until all the people that were men of war, which came out of Egypt, were consumed because of obedient, they did not obey the voice of the Lord. Whom the Lord swore and said, "I will not show them the land." And so those people died. Those people that came out w- were circumcised. They were ready. They they understood what covenant was. But because of their unbelief, they died. They they missed the uh, they missed the promise, and they died in the wilderness. And so all the children, all the people who were born in the wilderness, were not circumcised. And so now as the Lord is getting ready to bring them into covenant land, they have to be covenant people. Anything anything that is covenant, you got to be covenant through and through. And so here is God bringing um, uh, Joshua at this place of Gilgal and saying, stop here, don't go any further. There's something I'm going to ask you to do. I need to bring my fo- people fully in the covenant. And I call I like to call this alignment. I believe the Lord is aligning his people fully with him, so that what was an access point for the enemy, what was an access point for the past to keep haunting you, the voice of past keep haunting you, the the voice of people who spoke against you to keep haunting you. The Lord is saying, this is where we're stopping at right now. It's time for that to stop because the voices, the iniquity, the 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 stuff is impeding on your ability to embrace Me, to become who I made you to be. It's impeding on your ability to walk with Me. It's it's causing you confusion. It's shaking your face sometimes, and you got to let it go. It's time to let they lay that down and fully go all in. Let's fully go all in. And so here, we're going to read a little bit further. It goes on. It says here in verse 7, it says, And their children whom were raised up in their stead, then Joshua circumcised them, and, beca- and, and because they were not circumcised when they were in the wilderness. And it goes on. and says in verse 8, And it came to pass when they were done circumcising all the people, they abode in this place in a camp until they were made whole. And and if you and if you and if you've had kids that had to be circumcised, when they're little kids, it probably hurts, but it is not as bad as if you are an adult. <laughs> it almost is debilitating and you can't do anything. You got to heal and wait for you to be able to be at full strength again. And so the Bible says here it says in verse 9 it says and the Lord says unto Joshua, this day have I rolled away the reproach from off of you. Wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal. I want to read I want to read that. Um, well, I don't have my translation here, but I, I just what God was saying is basically the reproach is this this ugly cloud, this ugly thing that is hanging over you what was the bondage the 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 stench of bondage the residue of being a slave the residue of being a slave of egypt and and all the wilderness stuff he's this residue that's hanging out that still can impede that still can um um usurp or try to get in the way god says it's time for that to be shed completely time for that to be gone completely because where i'm taking you that can't be on you at all, at all, period. God's ability to take it away from you is, is never on trial. It is us being willing to let it go and let it die completely that God could take it and, and put it on the altar and let him consume it so that we can go free. We can go free and step into what God has for us. And this is what he's doing. He's aligning them. Can I tell you why he's aligning them? And real quick in Genesis chapter um In chapter 17 when he's bringing the covenant to their forefather Abraham some four hundred and some odd years prior he tells them in verse 17 of Genesis chapter in verse uh, chapter 17 verse 10 says this and this is my covenant which shall you keep between you and me thy seed after thee every child may every man child you have shall be circumcised and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin and it shall be a token of covenant between you and me and the uncircumcised child who flesh of foreskin is not circumcised he his soul shall be cut off from his people and he and he has broken the covenant so you needed this was a form of John 15 if you abide in me I will abide in you you can you cannot bear fruit without me but if you abide in me you will bear much fruit and if you disconnect from me you will what you will wither away and you'll be good for nothing for men to cat to pick you up and cast you into the fire so what he was saying is staying with me is covenant when you abide in me and choose to stay in me it's covenant even jesus says in in john 15 he says them that truly love me like I love the father will obey my commandments so it takes obedience to the well and stay in Covenant stay under that umbrella of covenant stay under the shadows of the almighty and that's what the lord is saying and so when he instituted it, it wasn't just a word he had spoken between him and abraham but there was also a mark of covenant and that mark of covenant was the 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 taking the circumcision of the foreskin as a mark and so as they're here and Gilgal and in, in, in Joshua chapter five, and they're at this place just before they're getting ready to encounter uh, the the first city that they're going to take, which is Jericho, God wanted to make sure. Why was that pertinent? Well, because the covenant of God wasn't just, uh, I'm going to bless you and people are going to be blessed by you, I will curse those that curse you, and I will make your name great, and wherever you go, you'll be blessed. The, the 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 essence of the covenant abrahamic blessing was that the presence the presence of the most high would rest on the individual who was in covenant so wherever abraham went wherever he went the presence of god followed him the presence of god led him but also followed him on his way in the journey In any situation, the presence of God was with him, and we find in his story, this is a good example, his story, he comes out of, he comes out of his place where he, where God called him out of, he brings what? His nephew Lot. The covenant was not made with Lot, the covenant was made with Abraham, but because Abraham was the benefactor, Lot was benefiting off of what God had told Abraham, and we find, as you read the story of Abraham, Lot's, Begins to have Lot had nothing. All of a sudden, Lot has herdmen. God, Lot has cattle. Lot has all kind of sheep and all kind of goats. And he's got his people, and Abraham's got his people. And and the land became, the land was not big enough to inhabit both of them. So their people begin to fight for, so, you know, who's going to have this. And Abraham says, No, we're brethren. Look, you if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I go to the left. So Lot sees Sodom and Gomorrah, which was not in danger yet, but he sees it in its water, its grassy area, it's got water, it's it's lush, and Lot looks after the flesh and goes. Now Abraham, who carries the presence of God, the life-giving force that rests on his life, didn't matter where he went. So when Lot chose there, Abraham went to the right where the rocks, and then the Lord begins to show him the land. It didn't matter where. Because he was the carrier of the covenant, the presence was following him, and we find as you read the story, Lot got himself in trouble several times, and Abraham had to rescue him, even rescue him from the kings that took him over, and then even uh, had to intercede with the angels that were talking with him that were going to destroy, because um, God was trying, because Abraham was trying to say, hey, if, if there's fifty, if there's forty-five, is there's thirty if there's, down to five? There wasn't even five; it was barely four. Are you getting what I'm saying? And so. Lot ends up in a cave, and his daughters uh, uh, creating um, having incest with him to bring forth two sons because they were trying to save their father's posterity. But see how how that works. Where there's no covenant, you are left to do your own thing. You are left to move in your own devices. You're left to strive and try to make it happen. When the covenant of God would preserve your posterity would preserve your name would preserve the land that you're living on that's what the promise of abraham is but because lot didn't have that lot lot and his children had to find they had, and they got their dad drunk and then they got pregnant and had uh moab and ammon these two countries that eventually would try to fight israel down the road but abraham didn't have to do that You getting what i'm saying you see the you see the difference when you carry a covenant god preserves everything about you and wherever you go the presence rests on you hence when the children of israel was in coming out of egypt what was with them pillar of cloud by day pillar of fire by night representing what the covenant abrahamic covenant resting on a people because they were what? Covenant people who were not just spoken to, but they were marked because why? They had the mark of covenant. And so here is Joshua coming into this space right now, having to re-circum- having to circumcise Israel again. That's what he's saying. Second time, circumcising them, making sure that as a people, we truly are covenant, not just in word, but in also in deed. So James said this. James said, He said, faith without works is dead. If you don't have no, if you don't have faith, if you don't have works with your faith, it means nothing. It doesn't mean anything. We need faith and works to be together. And so if we're going to serve the Lord, we can't serve the Lord just in our words. It's got to be in our heart so that it's carried out in our deeds. Because if it's not, then all you're doing is giving God lip service. That's what you're doing and so god is saying now in this space and time as we're coming close to um to passover god wants to align us and so now there's an alignment that needs to happen and god there's going to be things that god is going to reveal for you to come out of agreement with to finally let go of to finally say no no more will you follow me no more will you impede no more will you have your hand in my life i'm letting you go because i want to fully embrace the 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 passover lamb i fully want to embrace the son who came the word that became flesh to dwell i want to fully embrace him that i would become all that god wants me to be amen let's keep going and we move over to isaiah 43 and 19. now 43 18 and 19 19 is the one that gets the focus it's the one about behold i'm doing a new thing well he tells you in 18 which is just as important because you can't step into the new thing if the old thing is still present. It says, remember ye not the former things, nor consider the things of old. In this space, meaning you may have done it or they have done it in a, this way. But God is saying, we're going to do it this way now. Just And I'll give you an example. When Abraham, when the famine in the land came in Abraham's life and he was moving, going down, where did he end up? He ended up in egypt he left the land which god given him he went to egypt to what to to wait out the famine and got himself in the truck got himself some trouble by lying but even that because he carried the covenant god worked all things for his good he turned that around and blessed him his son who God, who is the promised child, Isaac, is now a grown man and Abraham has moved on and now he's married and now what? The Bible says in Genesis 26, it says, a famine in the land comes just like it did in the days of Abraham and Isaac got ready to what? Do what his father did. He got ready to go down to Egypt. Can you see how some things are hereditary that you may find yourself doing something that your relatives did, and you don't, you may not even have known them, or they may not even have shared that with you. But he goes down there thinking, oh, "I'm gonna do," or maybe his dad did, share it with him. So he thinks, "I'm gonna go down there and do what my dad did," or "I'm just gonna go down there because Egypt is is a superpower. It's it's the it's the it's the it's the known it's the symbolism of the world, and they'll take care of it." And what does the Lord do? The Lord says, "Stop. Do not go to Egypt." Stay here in Gerard, Gerard, and I will bless you a hundredfold, and you will prosper in the land. Do you see what I'm talking about? Where he says, "Remember." not the old things forget or you know forget the former things and not consider the old things sometimes we got to leave leave behind how we used to do certain things how we used to do this how my daddy did this or how mama did this or how this person did this that may have worked for them cuz that was what God was doing in that moment but what God is doing for you is something else and Isaac finds out that I cannot do what my dad did go to Egypt the Lord says no You stay here. I'm going to bless you. And some of us are in places like, man, God, I don't want to stay here no more. I am done being here. I'm done being at this job. I'm done being in this place. I'm done being here. I'm done being there. God, I just want to step into what you have. And the Lord is saying, if you don't stay where I have you, you will miss me and you'll miss what I have for you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That we move as the Lord moves. That he He is not only that presence that follows us, but he is also the aspect of that presence that is the shepherd that leads us and makes us lie down where? In green pastures. That we, the sheep, cannot tell the shepherd what we're going to do because then we're not moving in step with him. We're trying to strive because we don't have trust and faith that he knows what he's doing and that is the struggle that we have sometimes that's not the devil that's just your flesh fighting with the Lord because remember the devil has been a defeated foe since the foundations of the earth and it has been realized in our time when Jesus was crucified buried and risen again he's a defeated foe so he is not a factor most of the time a lot of it is our flesh a lot of us it's us fighting the Lord Fighting the Lord. We don't trust Him. And the Lord is saying, if you trust me, this is going to be okay. That it doesn't, I'll give you the grace to be here. I am going to do what I said I'm going to do, I am going to take you and get you to where I'm going to get you. But you got to be here and let me do what I need to do or let patience have its perfect work that when he is done, you won't be lacking anything. And so remember, letting those old things go. It's not just the old stuff you've been through, the stuff you're carrying. It's even the way you do things so that you can be like a child. That's why the Bible says, except you be like a child, except you be like this child, you cannot enter in the kingdom because the child, a child is open to new ways. A child is open to new things. It's teachable. It wants to learn something new. But when you become an adult, when you become so analytical, you feel like you know better than God, you're not moving as a child. And therefore it impedes on your ability to move in the kingdom or to access the kingdom. You will only move as far as what you are willing to embrace and accept. When Jesus said, if you embrace me, and this embrace is not just a one time, we constantly embrace Him because we are being changed. We're being changed as we behold him, we're moving from glory to glory. You hear what I'm saying? So the, to embrace the new thing, we got to let go of the old. We got to not stop focusing on what was and how they did this and how they treated me here. They may have treated you there, but you're not in that season and nor in that time. You're in a different time and a different season. And if you keep living there, you'll never live truly here where God had you or even forward. Amen. Let's keep going. When we, when we jump all the way, we're going to go all the way to Romans here. Paul says this. I love Paul. Paul is an amazing individual. Paul in Romans chapter 2 says this. He says this in verse 28. He says, For he that is a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is the circumcision, which is an outwardly in the flesh. But he that is a Jew is one that is inwardly circumcision. Is that of the heart, the in the spirit, not in the letter? And so, what is why was Paul addressing that? Because in the time of Jesus, Jesus was confronted by the Pharisees constantly saying, We're Abraham's seed, we're Abraham's seed, we're Abraham's seed, we're Abraham's seed. So, the very mark of of being uh, circumcised. Carrying this covenant because you are Abraham's seed you follow the law of being circumcised because that became into law on the eighth day they would circumcise the boys and so they were like because we've done what Abraham did we we are we are Abraham's seed and so we are privy to whatever God wants and and Jesus is addressing he says if you were truly Abraham's seed you would love me you would know me and love me So what what was he addressing? He was addressing they were carnal because if they were moving in the Spirit and they were moving in in, in the things of the Spirit, they would recognize the Savior, they would recognize the Creator, and they would love Him. But because the seed of Abraham has become so carnal and so fleshly, they are boasting themselves on... The works on what they have done. Well, because we are circumcised and because we follow all the laws, we are privy to what it is. And Jesus tells them straight out that won't save you. That won't save you. Because everything you're doing is in the flesh. You're missing the spirit. So I told you earlier, I said, we got to be like the ones of Issachar. They were mindful of of the times and season, they were able to engage the Spirit. We have it better than they do today because we have the Holy Spirit that lives in us. He's there to reveal. He's there to tell you what's coming. He's there to teach you about what's coming. He's there to reveal all things. He's there to communicate the heart of the Father. We got it better than they do, and yet we are not in the know. Yet we can't move. We We struggle with trying to move because why? To move with the Holy Spirit requires us to yield and to fully trust the Lord. To let go of what we think we need to be in control of and fully embrace Him that He can get us to every destination point, that He would transform and transfigure us and make us brand new, that He would bring us into everything He told us He was going to do. And so they pride themselves in being Abraham's seed because of what they had done. But their deeds did not match what they were confessing. So the Bible says in the Old Testament that they love me. They love me with their mouths, but their heart was far from me. And God in this season is really addressing let your yea be yea and let your nay be nay. Let what you say match up with what you're doing. I'm calling up people that truly will walk with me, not just in what they say, but what they're doing. And those people are people that are led by the Spirit. They're not just hearers of the Word, but they're doers of the Word. They are the obedient ones. It is your obedience that will take you into this next phase, this next thing. It is your obedience is what is required. And so when we look at what Paul was saying, Paul was saying, that won't save you. The true mark of what it is to be chosen to be a jew was the circumcision of your heart have you allowed the lord to cut the things away that are getting and impeding and and infringing and and having its hand in your life are you willing to let that go and get that out of there are you allowing him to do that that your heart would be fully clean that your heart would be full of him that he would inhabit your heart the way he desires. Are you still trying to fight him? Are you still trying to hold on to that? Or you still won't even let God touch it because it's too painful. But he's he's the righteous one. He's the one that loves you more than anybody will ever love you. And he knows how to pull out the small little thing that is infringing on your life in such a way that it's got you at a standstill it's so tiny i remember one time when the lord was when i had something that was an idol in my heart and when i the lord revealed it to me he shows me in the spirit it was like a little threat to him he said this here is the thing that's been holding you up from keeping you from being successful he said do you know the same thing and others like it are in the heart of my children my children are not moving forward like they should because they got stuff like this here and if they would only let me pull it out. This is what it looks like. When you saw it, you're like, what? I was like, that little thing? Yeah. it. That's how it looked to God. But to us, when it's in us, it's the biggest thing ever. Oh my goodness, Lord. I, it's. It's more than we can bear. And the Lord's like, my scripture says, I won't give you more than you can bear. How is it that you got more than you can bear? Let's keep going. I hope you guys. I hope you guys are getting this. God is, the Lord is good, and then the, I love the scripture here where the Bible says because I think a lot of times people want to know God, and they love to know the Lord, and I believe we're going to know Him. I believe this other aspect of not only aligning our hearts and and circumcising and getting us in line totally, so we can embrace Him and cutting away the old stuff as we say yes to Him, but the the, the Bible says this in Philippians three and ten it says that paul says this that i may know him and and that know him is is the same know as a man that knows a woman it is relational that i may know him that i may be intimate with Him, that, that you can't be intimate enough with the Lord, meaning that there are depths to know of Him, and there are more to know of Him, that you can't just be stuck, you can't be just satisfied with this level or this grade of knowing Him, that there's more to know of Him, there's more to dive into, that you're diving into Him, and you're diving to the depths of Him, and I'll tell you, the depths of Him, there's no bottom. There's You're never going to reach the bottom. It's not about reaching the bottom, but it's about you, becoming one with him it's about you uh, uh, getting rid of what you think it needs to look like what you think who you think you made yourself to be and really become who God intended for you to be that requires you to let it all go and so as you get to know him and I'll give you I'll give it I'll give it to you like this when a man becomes when a man and a woman get married or even when they're not married and they're fornicating when a man comes to know a woman he deposits his his sperm into her. And that sperm carries seed, that is seed. It's also that man's spirit. And that is how a man and woman becomes one. That's how the relationship is consummated. Uh, a, a marriage is not consummated based on they saying I do or signing paperwork. It was consummated when the two had relations. Then that woman would take on that spirit of that man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so in that space, when he says to know him, it's to fully take on the spirit of the Lord. Take on the spirit of Christ in you, fully and completely, that there's nothing left of you. Says in here also, he says that you may know him and the power of his resurrection. Everybody wants to know the power of his resurrection because that's the resurrection power. And I believe power is going to be is going to be something that's going to come along with the fear of the Lord. You're going to, God's going to make sure there's an awe. When you're, when you're circumcised and you're, and you have and your heart is aligned and you, and you, you're, you're not willing to compromise. There is this holy awe. There's this holy love that you have for God. That's, that is the fear of the Lord that says, I am consecrated. I am holy unto him and I am not set aside for anything other than his use. Then you can have, then you can move in that power that he wants to give to us in this last day. But here's the last one that they don't want to move in. And I tell you, you can't you can't forego it, you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't go under it, you have to. He says that you may know him also in the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. Conformable, meaning you conformed to his death. He died to what? Everything that this world had to offer. What do I mean by this word? I don't mean the trees and the rivers and the lakes. I mean the world's mindsets, the worldly way, the, world, the, the the author of this world, which is, which is the enemy the way the world does things, the way the world goes about doing things. He died to all those things so that you and I would live because his flesh did not want to. He said, if it be your will, can you let this cup pass? And then he also said in the same breath, not my will, but let your will be done because he said what the flesh is weak and wants to do what it wants to do. It's weak. But the spirit is strong, and that's why men ought to always pray. Fellowship in the suffering is letting go of this thing and fully embracing the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33, putting him first, and the kingdom, and his righteousness, and all those things that the Gentiles chased after, he wants to add to you. You don't have to chase it. It's supposed to come. It's supposed to be added to you. They chase after it because they have no covenant. When you are a covenant people, the covenant of the Lord rests on you and everything that you need. That's why his name is what? I am that I am. I'm everything you need. Whatever you need, I am has it. If you get him, you get everything. So that song says, I, I surrender all to you. And one of the phrases is, is that if I get, if I surrender to him and choose him, I get everything because he will add everything to you. Can I tell you that that same covenant rests on us today? How does it rest? In Galatians 3 and 13, it says this. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. For what law? The curse of the law law the law that was made if you broke the law you were worthy of death if you broke one out of, out of out of you if you if you broke one out of the 10 you were you were guilty of all 10 and and if you were guilty of any of the law you were put to death and so Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law because the law could not save us the law was only to point to him the law was to give you some guidelines some parameters as to what was acceptable what was a sense of what what was sense of of, of right living amongst your your fellow man and even unto god but it was to point you to jesus who would fulfill it who would tell you what the true heart of it was that you would love god with all your heart mind and soul and strength and that you would love your neighbor as yourself it goes on and says this it says here that you would uh, be free from the law redeemed from the curse of the law being made a curse for us he was made a curse for us for it is written curses everyone that hangs on a tree so he became the curse the curse worthy of death he took on the death for you and i so you and i wouldn't have to die because it was appointed for men to die because of what was done in the beginning And so he defeated the law of sin and death, as Romans 8 says, by the spirit of life of Jesus Christ, the life that he lived in physical body, physical flesh like you and I, how he overcame, he defeated it. Verse 14 says this, it says that the blessing, this was all done for something. God is a very intentional God. He never does nothing for anything. He always is doing something for something. There is always a run to His reason. There is always there is always a sum to the equation. And He says this here. It he says in fourteen. Says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. This presence, it isn't the bless. It isn't the blessing of this and that because the enemy can give you that. People sell their souls today to the devil. Why? Because he'll give them fame, fortune, riches, and all those things. So, if the Abrahamic covenant is, is 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 fame, fortunes, and riches, then the devil can do that too. <clears throat> what makes the presence, what makes the covenant of Abrahamic covenant different, is that it is the presence of the Creator, the presence of the one and only true God, resting on your life covering everything you are and it goes wherever you go and we see that even when abraham made mistakes the lord was turning it turned it around for his good of course abraham didn't keep making keep making mistakes god knew he would make mistakes as he was learning to live for the lord but it's that abiding resting that that presence would rest and so out of this god wants his people of presence to come alive to people would know that you are in the building because the moment the 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 presence of the lord that would go before you would show up at the place before you got there and people would feel the atmosphere change because what's going on who just showed up and all of a sudden they see you walk through the door Or they see you come around the corner because we were meant to carry his presence like that on the earth that's how Abraham carried and wherever him went life came forth whatever God promised would happen we are people of that type of presence and that presence wants to rest on us individually, as well as the body of Christ collectively, Jew and Gentile together, no longer Jew or Gentile, but one in Christ Jesus, as Paul says, as Paul wrote in um, in Ephesians, we are one in Christ Jesus. No longer considered uncircumcised, we are all circumcised because our hearts have been given to the Lord. And he says here, the Abraham blessing rests on us, that we might receive the promise and the Spirit through faith, and we have. The moment we said yes and the spirit of the lord comes but that presence of the lord just begins to magnify in your life as you yield and surrender to him we are people of presence and so we are at this space right now and give god with god is what is putting a place where we can stand and repent and let go of and 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 abort and get rid of things or, or even mindsets or the way we used to do things and say, God, I am a child. Teach me what you wanna teach me. I wanna do it Yahweh, not my way. God, I, I'm letting this thing go. I am tired of carrying this with me because it is impeding, it is it is fighting, it is getting in the way, even sometimes letting people go that are keeping you from getting in because we, you and I cannot save anybody. We cannot, we can't even save ourselves. I can point you to Jesus is all I can do. And when it becomes a time where that person does not want to yield, i got to let you go and pray from you for a distance and keep moving forward. Because the Bible says in Romans, not Romans, Hebrews, it says, we are not in them. Matter of fact, I'm going to read that. I'm going to just go to Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 38 and verse 39. It says this here in 38. It says, Now the just shall live by faith. That's us. If any man draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So when our people, when somebody around you starts to draw back, God has no pleasure in that. Because why? What fellowship does dark and light have? Or with Baal or or, or, or or with Christ Jesus? Nothing. There is no similarities. And when people start drawing back, they start taking on another characteristics. They start wanting to do other things. And you want to live saved and want to live this way. Verse 39 says this here. But we are not of them that draw back unto perdition. Perdition is destruction, but, but, but of them that believe in the saving of soul. We're about souls being saved, not people drawing back under perdition, not people moving back under d- destruction, not people choosing to go back or to live a part-time life with Jesus to be a tar- part-time lover. No, that works in the world as Stevie Wonder said it's on a part-time lover, but God is calling us to be the bride, to be fully all-in, and fully all-in is this- Let him to circumcise our hearts, not just our mouths that would speak the Christianese words or the right things to say, but that our hearts would match what we're speaking and what we're proclaiming and saying. Our faith would be seen in our actual acts and people would say, I know who you believe. I know who you're walking for. I know who you're champion because you do it well in your works. It's not just deeds that you say. I'm not saying We're perfect. All flesh is grass, and we need Jesus daily. But this thing I'm talking about is a yes every day. A yes every day. And this is what God is requiring in this season, in this moment, at this place that he's at. He's saying, I want you, as we approach Passover, I want you to know. I don't want you to take anything else with you. I want you to go. That's why the the road is narrow, and few find it. And the way in the road that everybody's on is broad. The road that is narrow is only big enough for you to walk on. But the road that is narrow is leading to destruction. You can bring everything with you. And God is saying in this road, you got to let it go. you got to let all that go because he that seeks to save it shall lose it. But he that seeks to lose it shall gain it and he'll gain it over and above. Because why? He is your exceeding reward. He does things exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. That's the the God we serve. That's the one who's given us this Abrahamic covenant, and he's asking, "Will will you do that? This is the space that we're in. As we're approaching this, God is saying, let this be the space that you say no more. I'm not going around the mountain no more. I'm not doing this no more. I got to let you go. I'm, doing, I'm letting go the way I thought was good. I'm letting go the way my, somebody else did this. I'm letting it all go that I would embrace the newness of what God is doing. We land with this. In uh, Acts 3 and 19, it says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. And when times of refreshing shall come, from the presence of the Lord, we are looking for we're looking for a move of God to happen. Saints of God, you are the move of God. We're not looking for it. You are the move of God. It's time for the the body of Christ to arise, and walk in that Abrahamic covenant that is that is um, marked by the presence, that fire, uh, and that cloud resting on your life individually as well as what corporately. It is just like they did on the day of Pentecost when when they said there was clothing fire, a fire sitting above them. They had their many pillar of fire resting on them, the same kind of fire that was resting on the children of Israel as they walked through the, the wilderness. The same presence of the Lord that followed Abraham, that followed Isaac, that followed Jacob, that followed the children of Israel. That's on us today because of what Jesus did. We are the people of presence. We're not waiting for a move of God. God is waiting for us to align and be that move and go someplace where he has sent us and let that move be released because it is on our life. Jesus modeled this. Wherever he went, a move of God happened. It wasn't waiting for a move. He is the move because he he was the epitome. He was the completion. He was the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And that same thing rests on you and I. That's what he's bringing us into. That's what he wants us to walk into. So I leave you with that right here. As we conclude, I leave you with that, that you would really let it all go and lean all the way in. Father, I pray right now that what was said, what was spoken would settle in us in such a way that it would bring such a holy conviction, that it would be a light that shines bright on anything that is not like you, and that it would give us the grace, the ability to come out of partnership, uh, treaties, connection, alliance, that it would give us the ability to let it go, that it would, when we said yes to you, that it would burn the images out of our mind that we would no longer be able to recall because we're choosing the new thing father i pray that they would be a people that would fully submerge in you and never come up because you are the breath that they breathe you are everything they need That they would totally connect with you in the fellowship of their suffering by letting go of all here, all this here, to truly embrace the kingdom from which they come. I pray that they would be children, that they would remain children, where they've been lifted up in their hearts and prideful and feel like they have arrived, that they would repent for those things and they would go back to their first works and say, God, you are bigger, and I'm, I'm. You are the dad, and I'm the child. You are my shepherd, and I'm the sheep. You are my king, you are my lord, and I'm here to follow you, not the other way around. That they would no longer take the word of God and make the word of God line up to them, but that the word of God would be a measuring stick for them to line up to. That they would no longer be people of just de- of words, and and not deeds that their faith in their works would show the world who God is. Father, I pray that you would cause this message to really impact and convict, and that, that they would feel the awe, the love, the, the, uh, the, the wonder would be restored, that fear of the Lord would rest upon your people, that your people would finally be a people of covenant, a people of presence, because because of their covenant, because of their obedience, the presence, the move of God will rest on them. <coughs> Father, I thank you today. And I bless them. And we honor you. We say thank you for what you've done, Jesus. And we say give us the grace and the ability. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.